This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. People love free shit. That's what it comes down to. And Willis. This is when we were done with the superhero genre. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. Barbie may just be the movie of 2023. Is it too too soon to say? I I don't know. I don't th- I don't think so. We can get into that in a minute. We definitely will. Uh because yeah, we got to talk about Barbie today today guys because um of its resounding success both critically and financially, which is going to be one of our main topics today because I mean like it's just it is astounding the kind of impact that this film has had and continues to have and then as well as the impact that it's having on the industry as a whole because this is kind of like a one of those situations where nobody saw it coming and we need yeah. to talk about that was was Barbie on either of ours top 5 most anticipated list it couldn't be because we made that rule that we couldn't put Oppenheimer or Barbie on our lists oh right <laughs> cuz we we're like well those will be number duh. 1 and 2 probably cuz okay. they both would have been so um yeah. but yeah so like Kind of. kind In it spiritually, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Barbie crossed a billion dollars this week, guys, so we need to talk about that. We also yes. need to talk about Peacock's original Killing It and what they're doing to promote their show now that all of SAG is currently on strike and season two is yes. <laughs> is here now. Uh, Time to get creative. <laughs> yes, exactly. We kind then of. need to go a little bit international here and talk about Netflix and South Korea and how they are treating yeah. their actors production workers whoever um on the other side of the planet because it's a little similar to how they're treating people here which is complexities going on yeah definitely uh and then we need to wrap it all up by uh talking about some news that dropped literally an hour before we started recording this which is a possible vfx union incoming which would be yeah very exciting and uh, not a moment too soon so (laughs) um but yeah, that's what we're going to talk about this week. But first, let me go into the weekly releases. There's not a whole lot going on this week. For theaters, we have The Last Voyage of the Demeanor coming on August 11th. I'm actually really hyped for this film. Horror, like, regardless of good or bad, I'm down. Yeah. Like, let's do it. Vampires on a ship in, like, the 1800s. It's, let's go. It's weird because, <laughs> like, I I almost don't classify this as horror. Like, I, I, I mean, it, it's going to be... But, yeah, like I'm I will say I'm more open to this than I would be, I think, to a normal uh, sure. horror movie. So Oh, intra very interesting. Well, we'll yeah. see what happens with that because I'm I'm hyped for this too, yeah. Okay, hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh and that's really it for theaters because there's nothing but good stuff to see right now for streaming, for shows. Only Murders in the Building is coming back for yes. season three. Three. Which yes. I'm just like Yes. Yes, this is one of the best comedies that's been made in the last 20 years. In a long time. Yep. It's really, Meryl really Streep funny. this year. Yes. And I year believe this season. Rudd is in this too, I believe. Paul Rudd, yeah. yeah. He was uh he was in, I think, the final episodes of last season. Yes. Which um, I was like, let's go. Um, so that's coming to Hulu August 8th. We have Strange Planet coming to Apple TV Plus on August 9th. Painkiller coming to Netflix. Uh, August 10th and season seven, the final season of billions hitting showtime on August 11th, which I'm like, I saw this Ooh. and I was like, didn't billions end in like 2017, <laughs> but apparently nope. not. Nope. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, that's what we got coming this week, guys. Uh, and without yes. further ado, let's, let's, let's celebrate Barbie right now. Yes. So Barbie, you've no yeah. doubt heard about I it. I saw it. Yes. You did see it. Yes, yeah. in a theater. In theaters, in a big theater. I wonder when Barbie's going to hit streaming or VOD. I've heard no murmurings at all. I don't know. I mean, it's crushing, so there's no way they're just going to pull it. But, yeah. Um, but Barbie has crossed $1 billion worldwide at the box office. Join the Billion Dollar Club, yes. yes. Which is just astounding on many many levels but for a movie that now that you've seen it that is this strange and this like you can almost it's like nondescript like it's hard to describe this movie to someone yeah 
Like, it's interesting because <laughs> it is very strange, but it's also very accessible. Yeah. Like, obviously. The, 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 yeah, the strangeness of it is palatable on like some kind of weird level that I can't really explain. It's not like there's musical, absurdist musical numbers in this mm-hmm. that, I, you know, you, you just go with because that's part of the world that it's created. Um, right. But yeah. Yeah. And it is funny because I will say, and I know my mom is listening to this because she listens to all of them. My mom didn't really connect with this film and neither did my younger sister. She was kind of like, mm. I had to talk to them for about an hour each about this movie to try and like get mm-hmm. some feelings out. Um, but there was some kind of a like, there was a wall there for them. So it, it's it's odd depending on who you are, whether or not it hits. But regardless, this movie is easily the, the movie of the summer, will likely be mm-hmm. the movie of the year, and has um, propelled Greta Gerwig into this n- level of directorial stardom that is very, very difficult to achieve. And as someone yeah. as financially and um, the critically successful as Greta... This seems like it would be a no-brainer, but who could have seen this coming? Like, I did not know that this was ever going to happen with her and her career, and it was almost engineered because she talked about it at the beginning. She's like, I went in and said Barbie's a billion-dollar movie. She's like, I didn't believe that, but I knew that if I said (laughs) that and had enough conviction that they were going to do this for me, and lo and behold, she, like, wrote her own check. Like, it's insane, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, like, you can't talk about this movie without talking about Greta Gerwig. Yeah. You know, like, it's, and I doubt you ever will be able to. Like, it's a hand-in-hand conversation. Like, no, I think we we talk about this and tuned in on Sunday, but, like, this movie doesn't work without Greta Gerwig. Exactly. You know, um, or would be a very different movie. Like, her, her... her style and her like mindset are so prevalent in this that like, you know, you can't talk about this movie without talking about her. Um, right. Yeah. Which is incredible. And I mean, like more power to her, like, you know, it's weird because she, I think had such a good reputation as like a, um, auteur filmmaker, like before this came out for sure. And I think a lot of us went, what? Yeah. When it was first heard that, Greta Gerwig was going to do a Barbie movie. Um, right. But I kind of put it, and I don't know if if you'll agree with this, but I kind of put it in the same vein as like the social network where we all kind of went, really? Like a Facebook movie? Right. Like, okay. All right. Okay, David Fincher. <laughs> yeah. Um, whatever. And then like, it's, you know, one of the seminal works of the decade. Yeah. And I think honestly, like, you know, when you talk about the 2020s in film, you know, once we, I won't say forever into the future, but like once we get into the 2030s, this will be one of the like seminal works from this decade. Oh, you know. Yeah. No doubt. No it's doubt that. in my mind. I, I have a list on Letterboxd going of like the 2020s, which is like the most mm-hmm. important movies of the 2020s. This made it as soon as I saw it because because of that fact. And um, I also just want to say that Greta Ger- Gerwig has now become the very first woman director to hit the $1 billion mark. Hell Yeah as like solo because we talked about this before you actually texted me you're like what did they mean by this and the only thing i could think of is that uh anna Boden and ryan fleck directed captain marvel and that also crossed a billion dollars yeah. so i guess that well i think the original it. quote the the solo thing was originally like the first movie directed solely by a woman ever to make i think it was over a hundred million in its opening weekend right right i right, think that right. was the metric yeah right um but yeah i mean yeah I don't know, more power to her. Yeah, definitely more power to her. And I guess, what's the impact of this? Is this going to have a net positive, do you think? (laughs) I mean, it's a little... Well, define net positive. Well, for Greta, nothing but positive. For what the takeaway from this movie is, it's a little more dicey. Because as we've talked mm. about before, Mattel has already said like, oh, we're greenlighting every toy movie known to mankind, which is like the reason yeah. this movie succeeded had nothing to do with Barbie, you know? Yeah. So. Well, you know, there's been talk in some room somewhere about like a toy shared universe with oh, this yeah. and like the Lego movie with Will Ferrell as the like through line. Right. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. But, uh, you know, 
it's interesting because I mean, we talk all the time about like what are what's the real lesson versus what our studio is going to pull from this. And like, right. I think this is going to be a movie that we can point to. Um, and I would say Top Gun's going to be the same kind of thing as this. And we kind of talked about this last week, but I feel like this is going to be a movie that we can point to that's going to say like, this is when we were done with the superhero genre. Oh, good call. Like, the, like, and again, we're talking about like, you know, in 20 years when we're looking back at this period of time, I think this yeah. is one of those ones. It's like, hey, this movie that's has like great performances, great direction, a, a strong message to get out like changed the direction of what the industry was doing at the time. Right. You know, because it crossed a billion dollars and doesn't have a superhero mover in it. True. Or doesn't have a superhero in it. Like, yeah, which I mean, and it's weird because it is Barbie. It's still like an IP for sure, but like it's not building off of anything. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's not asking for anything else in return. It's like a standalone. It's done. Here we go. Yeah. We're good. It's a movie. Like, and that's, I think, well, and the strongest that's, point. <laughs> and that's an interesting thing I've seen come up a couple times is there doesn't seem to be any conversation around Barbie 2. No, I'm sure the conversation you know, has been had, but I don't think sure. anyone wants to. They're like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, what? it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't somehow lend itself to that mentality. Right. Which I don't like really understand how we haven't. I mean, this is the kind of thing that five years ago we would have already heard three of them. Oh, you yeah, know, for sure. Um, and there is a thing of Mattel being like, yeah, we're going to do everything. But like. That could go any direction, but I think Barbie will stand on its own. It's like, here's a. Exactly. Cornerstone. And this being Gerwig being like in and out. And the last thing I'll say on this is like she's it's so funny that this and Oppenheimer premiered at the same time because she's literally doing what Nolan did. She did a couple of really successful indie features, and then yeah. he did Batman, and then that pro propelled him into do whatever the fuck you want for the next rest of your career, which is how we got Inception and Dunkirk and Tenet and these weird-ass movies and Oppenheimer. And now Greta's like, same shit, writes a check for herself off Barbie, a movie that she cared about, but didn't, you know, she's like, this is going to get me into the Nolan, I don't think she said yeah. Nolan, but into that sphere and now she can tier, do whatever yeah. she wants to. Like putting genius. putting Barbie and the Dark Knight like next to each other invites a really interesting comparison. It I still does. think I I think the Dark Knight is like the stronger movie, but oh, like for sure. But but like you know that's a thing that Ken says. <laughs> like yes, you know what I mean. I'm like it's uh yeah. There's a weird, and it'll be interesting to see it. It's going to be fascinating to watch Greta Gerwig's career unfold. Right. Um, and I mean, it has been, you know what I mean? Like I think back to like Francis Ha, which I know is just like starring her, but that's the first thing I was, so when I think of early Greta, I think of Francis Ha and like, yeah, I remember that being like a really like impactful movie when I was younger. Um, right. And like, just, it's been fascinating to watch that climb and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Um, I know, I know, you know, but like she's going to do whatever she wants and like rock and roll, rock and roll is right. And on it, she's going to do whatever she wants with whomever she wants. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's the, the anecdote that's been going around about Matt Damon stepping away from acting unless Chris Nolan should call. And right, Chris, and then, no one called. Uh, right. Like, I think Greta has that same calling power. Like, anyone's going to answer her calls at this point. 100%. Like, people are going to actually actively want to be in her stuff. Yeah. As if they didn't already. Not so that they like, weren't. Now, yeah, but. Now it's like, ooh, no, she's a real force to be reckoned with. And she seems like she's a real fun time on set. Like, seeing the behind the scenes, I'm like, oh, yeah. let me be on one of her sets. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> it looks so nice. Oh, so, God. as of recording, uh, Barbie worldwide is at one billion thirty three million dollars. And I don't and think climbing. it has dipped under ten million a day, maybe one day under ten. Yeah, I don't yeah. And and then every Saturday, Sunday it goes back up to about thirty and then Yeah, I don't see, I don't see anything. Well, here, let me it came down to eleven on August third, but then climbed back up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's this is a, this times. is guys, this doesn't happen. 
anymore for movies, as we know. Um, you know what else doesn't happen for, well, certain things in the industry right now? It's promotional material for all of their new stuff. Um, yes. And one of those new properties is, uh, or I guess a returning property, is Killing It on Peacock, starring yes. Craig Robinson, the beloved Craig Robinson, which is coming back, I believe, for season two on yes. the 17th of August, which is just uh, around sounds the corner. Right, yep. um, but alas, the actors are all on strike right now, so Craig Robinson yeah. will not be able to do his Hot Ones run and varieties, you know, Google, yep. fill in the blank or whatever. Like, he's not going to be able to do any of those things. And weirdly, the thing I keep coming to is like, the late night shows because there's no late night shows either right exactly (laughs) there's nothing there's no not that there's like a necessarily a red carpet for this but honestly those things get people at least interested in these like when i saw christopher nolan and downey jr on that wired like google fill in the blank i was like oh i'm watching this like they don't do these guys never do this stuff like let me watch this so it really is one of those things like it's not just the red carpet walk it's like it's all promotion um, and so Peacock, aka aka NBC Universal, yes. has decided to do something very interesting with their tactic, yes. which is not pushing the show until the Screen Actors Guild has uh, finally come to an agreement with the studios. What they're deciding to do is put three episodes of the first season out for free on YouTube and TikTok. Yes, which is a tactic that's been done before but not on youtube and tiktok like this is like wide wide audience stuff usually yeah. it's like amazon like from amazon mgm plus here's the first season of from check it out yeah this is different this is they're like i mean the <laughs> TikTok, TikTok is, thing is very interesting i, I i'm like you know youtube mean? i've watched full episodes of stuff on youtube before like that of course okay yeah. but and i mean not you know i'm not on tiktok so same take what i'm saying with a grain of uh elder millennial salt but like uh i don't know like that seems like the wrong platform for that that seems like quibi kind of like decided that that didn't work right but maybe it doesn't have to maybe it just has to get like enough of the like conversation out there right enough eyes on it and tiktok being the the i believe largest social media platform at this point yeah. What better way to get more eyes on it, I guess? So I feel I've, like a lot of people don't know about this show even. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we should we should point out like um th- this <laughs> this story this show is about a guy played by Craig Robinson who um hunts pythons in Florida uh because <laughs> if you, okay. during a certain season if you bring pythons in you get paid by the foot um as like a population control kind of thing. Um, so it's like it's all of these random characters. And uh, I will say shout out um, Claudia Dougherty, O'Doherty, mm-hmm. um, who plays Jillian in it, who you might sure. know from love. But um, she's fantastic. And it's just like it's a really well done sitcom show. Right. Um, and it's like I, I love it. I watched the first season like as it was coming out and it's great. Um, right. And it's interesting because, yeah, like what ad campaigns can you do for this? You know, um, I literally just found out about it because not just found out. I found out it was coming back because I opened Peacock to watch, I think, like New Girl or something. Right. And it was right at the top. And I was like, it, it was interesting because I said to my wife, I was like, oh, remember that show? That must have been canceled, right? Because right. the first season was like, you know, a while ago at this point. Um or I right, guess it was small. Fuck, I guess it was just last year. Yeah, it was it was small, and it was only I want to say like seven or eight episodes, maybe ten. Right. Um. But like, it brought me back, and I was like, "Oh, I want." And so I googled it, and it was like, "Hey, look, it's coming back next week." There you go. Right. Just so happens. So, I don't know. It's weird with the strike because, I mean, how it's. It's weird because, like, I want to say, like, this is a weirdly peripheral kind of thing, almost benefit. Mm-hmm. Benefit's not the right word, but like, hey, let's like re-examine how we promo things. Yeah, you know, um, totally. And see what we can do without this kind of stuff, which you know is not a great thing, but like, could lead to more interesting things. 
Right. And that is something that I hadn't even really considered is like, what if studios and other promotional entities realize that they don't need a lot of these people for promote for promoing stuff, which I don't think is the case. But if something like this goes and they're like, wow, we actually gained, you know, two million more viewers because and we didn't have anyone promoting it. Like, yeah, that's that's interesting. Although. It's funny because people love free shit. That's what it comes <laughs> down to. Like people want to if it's three full episodes of a show starring Craig Robinson for free, someone is so much more likely to click on that than not. Yeah. You know? For and so sure. it's just like it's free shit and now whether that comes down to people liking the show enough to then sign up for Peacock is a whole different story, I guess. Yeah. Well, and like so to to take it down kind of a, a darker path almost is like if this works and they see like a notable uptick Mm -hmm. you know is like there's a conversation that can be had of like well could we do that with like like chuck chuck i don't know why that's the one that comes to mind but like you know here's this here's this series from like a while ago i want to say chuck was like like 2008 or 9 or somewhere around something like that a long Um, time ago yeah yeah but like Oh, we don't have any new content. Let's do an ad campaign promoting Chuck and anyone who didn't watch Chuck might be like pulled in. Right. You know, and we don't need we don't need. Um, oh, God, I didn't even remember. Uh, Zachary Levi. <laughs> Zachary Levi. There's <laughs> <laughs> a whole nother level of complication. I was there, like, like, Chuck, that's very interesting. <laughs> um, but like, you know, we don't need him for argument's sake. Not. Yeah. But like, we don't need him to do an ad campaign for it. Like, look, we can do a couple episodes free on youtube and tiktok and you know run a rerun at, like it's a learning curve for hyping things right in your library right which is weird and it, it makes me you're totally right nervous very nervous because for a long time all the streamers had one thing that they could do or not one thing but they didn't have to think about this they're like this is yeah. the we can make this work here's and your now, marketing campaign here's your traditional marketing campaign yeah exactly and now it's just like I don't pushing know. Pushing daisies. It's, pushing daisies is a better example. There you go. Yeah. Pushing daisies. 2007 to 2009. You could you could sell that show today. Oh yeah. That's an old school Brian Fuller Lee Pace. Uh Lee Pace. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. But like that's the kind of thing I'm like and it wasn't very popular. Like you could make an ad campaign around pushing daisies that would draw in a lot of people today. You know, and it's yeah. from like a decade and a half ago. So totally a hundred percent. God, you could do that with a lot. Oh, wait, I'm not going down that path. Well, there's, that's, that's what lot. I mean. It's like, you know, there's a, <laughs> there, like you could do a lot with that and you could just keep pulling people to previous stuff that's already in your library because you don't have anything new coming out. Right. Exactly. Sorry to get dark with it, but no, no, you're not wrong. Um, and one of those streaming services that has a, massive library where they may not need to promote anything new for the foreseeable future is Netflix. Yeah. Um, and weirdly enough, one of the countries that they owe a lot of that success to happens to be South Korea, not just because of squid game and you know, the 100 or whatever it was. Um, but they have like, if you go into their South Korean, I guess really all of their foreign language stuff, like, but South yeah. Korean specifically, there they are do a little, lot of South Korean things. Yeah, yeah, there are entire categories dedicated just to South Korean film and and uh, TV, which is just like one, it's incredible, but two, it's just like wow, that's really really interesting. Now, come to find out that Netflix, we shouldn't be surprised. One isn't paying them fairly, and two, basically has a very very thin line of communication with all of their counterparts yeah. in South Korea. Which is very, very troubling. Um, and you'd think that, you know, it can't get worse than what's going on here. And it actually can, especially when they're from a different country and you don't have to actually see them in a boardroom yeah. meeting. You can kind of just ignore the email, or which you can, is like, kind of happening. through proxies. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, go talk to this person or go talk to that person. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as we know now, like the streamers are notoriously stingy with not just residuals, but like just paying in general. Like there's yeah. like 
major delays from studios to actually paying people. And this is something that goes back decades, but it's still here. And I mean, South Korea is done with it. They're like kind of done. And I read today that basically there is a big possibility of some kind of a strike. And this is all being brought on because of the WGA and because of SAG-AFTRA. Like this is just a, this is just a, like a tipping point literally. And you know, I've seen stuff going on with UPS. I've seen stuff going on with numerous labor unions across the entire world that are just like, yeah. hold on. There's something wrong here. Let's and, and these people can't make money if we don't do anything. So what if we just all stop doing something? Which is yeah. actually it's it's incredible, but it sucks that it has to come to this, you know? Um, but capitalism, baby, yeah. you hey. know, bleed them dry. <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean, like South Korea. Like, I feel like it's it's um, an understatement to say that, like, yeah, Netflix has South Korean content. Like, they have a ton of South Korean content. Um, Big hits, too. Yeah. And, like, and yeah, big hits and, like, a lot of just stuff that's consumed all over the world. Um, And I think we can safely say at this point that, like, Netflix doesn't like unions. No. Like, you know, like say what you will about like all of the stuff going on, like they don't like unions and like their management, like, yeah, like, but like, let's start calling, you know, a duck, a duck and like, yeah, I don't, but I mean, the kind of stuff that we're talking about with, with South Korea, there was one quote from the article that, that you sent me today that really stuck out is, um, and of course, now I can't find it. Um, oh, no. Okay. Uh, but the history of the South. Here's the quote. Um, the history of the South Korean industry can be divided into before Netflix and after Netflix. So like oh, their yeah, yeah. impact there. Like, you know, Netflix has a lot of content, but like also them. Like working in South Korea has been a boom for the South Korean like industry yes but like at like what cost kind of thing and like you know when something gets bigger and bigger it becomes harder and harder to just like control and ignore and just do whatever you want and i think that's what netflix is really seeing right now totally you know yeah and with other countries i mean notoriously there are you know other countries laws when it comes to unionizing in in fair pay like it's different so and i'm just hypothesizing here but when big production companies see like oh another country wants to get on board it's like yeah i assume a thought goes through their head that says like well what can we get away with here like yeah. not like what's fair but like ooh is there a way that we can kind of make more off of this than they give you know which yeah. is kind of what's happening because um, I mean, I know that there was even like basically the way that the pay structure is, it's completely, it's just not equal. Like, you know, a, a show that costs $400,000 to produce, like none of that pay gets distributed equally. And like the fees and obviously like I know about this in producing in, in countries like Thailand, like you there, it's so different. Like the way that the working structure is yeah. there is so different and there is no oversight for a lot of this stuff. And when Netflix is your parent company or the production company and you are waiting for them and they're not talking to you or willing to do anything or even, you know, we know how unwilling yeah. they are to even speak about the strikes and fair fair wages. I can see how this is even worse. Like all the, like I said at the beginning, all they have to do is ignore an email and that's that. Like what, yeah. what recourse is there? Like what can you do? <laughs> like, yeah. Um. And it's interesting because I did a little bit of research before uh, before the the pod here, and I will say this is like a little bit of research, so I don't <laughs> claim to be an authority on anything about it to say, but like the way South Korea's unions work is, is they are, I think, severely more limited than um, like U.S. unions in that like they're only allowed to barter in terms of cost. Sure. Or yeah. like... Uh, Wages is what I'm looking for, um, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing of like, if the only thing that your union can come at you and say is you have to pay us more, 
like Netflix is going to turn around and go, okay, cool. But you still have to work 18 hours a day. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a weird, complicated kind of thing. That's just like uh, the longer and wider these kind of union issues with Netflix go on, just the worse Netflix is looking because I, I know. think all of the stuff that they kind of figured they could do because no one else was in the studio is like coming back to, I don't know if bite them per se, but like becoming problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of these things that we're talking about, like I was reading in on this sci-fi series called the black Knight. Um, mm-hmm. Like those scans, those digi scans of people that were being, yeah, like that's already being used to like replace actors, like extras and stuff, and like, and also actors, like, oh, they they don't want to have them do the dangerous stunt or whatever. But it's like that stuff that we're talking about now that, like, you know, you couldn't necessarily get away with in the United States. Like, there, that's being used already. So, like, yeah. there are all these things that are like on the table now that are really, really problematic. Um, and again, it all just comes down to like just just pay people what they deserve, man. Yeah. Like well, if this is gonna make your company a billion dollars, like don't you think that like people yeah. should deserve some of that? <laughs> yeah. And here's Squid the thing game. is like we're hearing about this and like we're hearing, you know, the the South Korean side of this, but I'll bet this is going on everywhere. I'll bet this is going totally. on in like I don't know why Egypt is like the first thing that comes to sure. mind. But like I'm sure there's productions in Egypt that Netflix like makes that it probably has a similar kind of thing you know i'm speculating but like it it really weirdly pulls like globalization into focus when like (laughs) you're like yeah netflix is like a global company and they create content in every you know like district really um district's not the right word there every corner yeah and it's like you know this kind of stuff that might it's it's a much bigger picture to keep in focus i think which is wild yes it is wild it really is um and again like we have heard nothing about these like negotiations really coming to a head i've heard murmurings but it's nothing is substantiated um i do think also there are and i don't no, again, for sure. But I think there are larger union issues going on in South Korea right now as well. Sure. Um, you know, like you referenced UPS, but like, I think there's, it's not just like the movie industry that's in this mindset in South Korea right now. Totally. And across the globe. I mean, it's really just like workers are realizing that, and it's kind of hilarious, not hilarious, hilarious in a really terrible kind of way <laughs> that everyone is at the same time realizing like we're all getting fucked yeah. like royally and being like well hold on if we all just stop right now they can't make any more money <laughs> like it's yeah. just this weird kind of thing that's happening um and that brings us to our final point here which is yeah that as of today today being monday the 7th obviously you're listening to this on thursday uh vfx artists in the united states are currently trying to unionize which at this point in 2023 there is no union as a whole and there also is no union backing for vfx artists including basically all of iatsi who who also does support all of the rest of the crew uh uh, the crew positions even if they aren't union members um and, you know, in an era where I believe I read 90% of all films, and I would assume that that has to go with uh, TV as well, yeah, that are released have some level of VFX, the artists yeah. behind this literal magic are still wildly underappreciated. Like, yeah. it is insane. It's crazy that we have to have this conversation because, like, we talk about visual effects all the time. And whether we like yeah. them or not, it is what it is, but... There's no union for these guys? Yeah. Like, God help them. Like, I said this before, but, like, God help those people at Marvel, man. I have no idea yeah. what they're going through. It's wild. I mean, and, like, you know, we, we, we've we covered back, I think, when it, I think when Thor was coming out, um, how it was just, like, you know, the notable dip, but, like, because they have, because Marvel has such unrealistic expectations of what their VFX teams are going to do. And yeah. really, it seems like it could give a damn you know how they get it done as long as they get it done um, right so like uh reassuring to see like 
that unions, I guess I'll say this, it's reassuring to see that unions being so prominently in the spotlight is having an effect on the rest of the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, like this conversation, I think, was probably happening, but is certainly elevated by uh, the WGA and SAG after being on strike and demanding more and VFX artists going like, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, um, they should be part of Yahtzee. Um, of course. And I will say that's that's the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Um, yes. For, for those listening at home. But yes. like, um, you know, it, it's it's so odd to think that like a year ago, this union stuff was all kind of like maybe not necessarily good, but quiet. Yeah, You know, and it's all coming to a head at the same time. And it needs to. I mean, like, you know, as much as we talk about Barbie being a tipping point is like, so is all of this, Yeah, you know, and um, I don't know. It's weird because we talk about it every week and I'm like, yeah, it, this is just reshaping everything and <laughs> things continue to reshape every week. And it's like, yeah, like good on the VFX workers. You know, I, I will say, I think it's um, the uh, onset vfx guys were the original ones to sort of be like hey we're uh <laughs> we're unionizing um, yeah like the production guys yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as opposed yeah, and it to was, yeah well and it was ahead. marvel production specifically too yeah where they're like which you know as if you've listened to this pod a lot like marvel is the big yeah it went from like the big like good guy to the big like evil guy because it was once like oh this is employing everybody in the business and now it's like oh no these are the people who are going to work you into the ground and not pay you enough yeah which is like wow only 10 years that flipped like that which i mean is like you could change a couple words in that sentence and say the same thing about netflix you know what i mean it's like totally it's all of these these would be like saviors of the industry have gotten quite large Yes. Um, yeah. Well, you either die a hero, you'll live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> it always comes back to Nolan. Um, yep. No VFX in Oppenheimer. True, true. And it always comes it, back to Nolan. <laughs> it always comes back to Nolan. Um, and it was funny because it was a super majority of like all 52 members yeah. of this post production team who is like on set production all signed these cards indicating that they would like representation. Um, and it's weird because I don't know if that means getting your own union or just being represented by IATSE in some manner, like being part of that union or what, but either way, the fact that it's taken this long, cause I think with filmmaking, a lot of people are just happy to be there. Like that's you're like, I'm yeah. making a career out of making movies. Like, let me just be happy to be there. And that's what a lot of people do. And I think a lot of people are just expected to be happy to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, directors, that's where you were going. <laughs> no, no, that's it literally is. It's like directors, executive studio heads. It's like that's it it's like working for exposure as like a videographer or something. Yeah. It's like just shut up and do the work you're working on, Captain America. And it's like Yeah. That's great, but that doesn't pay my bills. And and the fact that now everyone's kind of being like, well, this is a career. This is a job. This is something that I can sustain myself on, but it's unsustainable right now is really wild and amazing to see that all these people are coming together and being like, nah, F that we're done. Yeah. And going to not work. (laughs) You know, you you say like, oh yeah, you're working on Captain America. And it's like, yeah, but like, I shouldn't have to like go hungry to chase like my dream. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. It's it, it all it, it all works. Um, I do think it, yeah. it would be that they would be represented by uh, Yahtzee. Yep. Um, you know, I I, I think it's that makes sense. <laughs> I think it's harder to start a union from scratch. Yeah, um, totally. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine there'll be a larger vote. And I imagine once this gate is like opened. Um, oh, yeah they're just going to flood into it because like, yeah, if you're, if you're a VFX artist and you've just been drowning for five, 10 years, like here's a life raft kind of thing. Exactly. Um, Strength in numbers. Yeah. It's true. And I saw a little blurb from an anonymous executive that was basically like, yeah, we get it. Like these things are totally doable. 
But when you stack them all on top of each other and then you got to do it every year and it's like, shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. are you being serious right now? Like, yeah, the cost of living is the cost of living. Like, or the yeah, cost of it surviving goes up is the year. cost yeah. of surviving. Like, sorry that that's like not good for you guys, but that's the way it is. And so yeah. I firmly understand where their stance is. It's like, we just don't want to pay people more. And it's yeah. like, that's terrible. <laughs> I am bracing to hear what Bob Iger has to say about this. Um, oh Lord, man. You know, he, he will no doubt in the next day have some kind of, uh, quote. Um, yeah, that's going to backfire on him immediately. And yeah, yeah. You know, that's what we can only hope for, you know, is him to put his foot in his mouth again. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know. Um, <sighs> so yeah, I mean, here's another union for us to keep our eye on Um, not for threat of strike, but for Mm -hmm. uh, inclusion and uh, change in the game for VFX. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. It's weird because like, like no, but also like I want to jump forward like, like 10 years in my life so I can see how this all shakes out because it's so fascinating. All of the change happening at the same time, you know, that's just like, like, I mean, even five years, like I I feel like I've said this a dozen times at this point, but like, it's going to be a whole different industry in like five years. It's going to be wild. Oh dude, every year. I mean, we've done this for what, this will be our, we're into our coming into uh, next April be our, the start of our third year. We're in. Okay. Okay. So we're in the middle of our second, like even just doing this, like, things have changed so drastically and I couldn't even begin to, I couldn't even, we might not have an industry. We might all be flourishing. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, that's the episode for today, guys. Uh, A lot to think on, a lot to chew on. Um, We'd like to know your thoughts on Barbie. We'd like to know your thoughts on all the strikes and all of the unions and what you think about that. Um, but yeah, should we go into our recommendations here? Yeah. Uh, because obviously, in honor of Barbie crossing $1 billion, we had to give you a movie directed by a woman that deserved to be far more popular than it ended up being, which is yes. a lot of them, unfortunately, because as we know, women are still not treated as equals in this country and uh, definitely not in Hollywood. As yes. we know that like Greta is the first woman to cross a billion dollars solo. It happened in 2023. Do you know how many men yeah. have made movies that crossed a billion dollars? Like <laughs> I mean, James Cameron did it in 1999. Like, right. And then know. he did it again last year. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and there was another one in the middle there. Right. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, a movie directed by a woman that deserves to be more popular than it is. Yes. Um, do you want to go first or would you like me? To sure. Go? I'll go first this year, year, week, whatever. Whatever. Um, I'm going to recommend a fairly recent movie, I guess. Um, Ooh. that I, well, I guess not. I want to say fairly recent, but it's a couple of years old at this point. Oh God. Oh God. Um, How old? No, I mean, it's three years old at this point. It's from 2020. Okay. Okay. But like 2020 to me still is like, oh yeah, this is like recent, but like three years is not nothing. Um, I've gone off the deep end over here, but I am recommending <laughs> a, uh, a movie called Promising Young Woman. You know, I've never actually seen this. So this is directed by Emerald Fennell. I want to say that's how you pronounce yes. her last name. Um, Fennell, yeah. Fennell. Uh, starring Carrie Mulligan um, and a lot of just like B actors that you'll know. Um, Laverne Cox, Jennifer Coolidge, Clancy Brown, Bill Burnham, Alison Brie. Clancy um, Brown. You know, it goes down a lot. But uh, this is about... Um, well, the, the tagline is a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who ha- who crossed her path. Um, and it's basically just like a uh, woman going on just kind of it's not a, a murder spree per se, but like a, um, a revenge spree, revenge spree. Yeah. Um, Carrie it. Mulligan is fantastic in it. Um, it is very it's well done, well nuanced. It's super not cringy is not the word but like you cringe a lot at it because there's so many situations where like the men in this movie are just like acting in ways that you're like oh come on man like, yeah 
Oh. Um, yeah. But it just like, I don't know. This movie, I think, was really good. Was nominated, I think, for... Uh, I believe you're right. Actually, I think one, too. Um, so maybe it's not so unknown, but... Uh, was nominated for... Um, Original screenplay, best picture, best actress, best director, and best film editing. So I guess it's fairly mm. well well known. Um, and I yeah. think I want to say one for best original screenplay. Oh, fantastic. Okay, I got you. Um, but I feel like it was one of those ones that was like not like a big one that you heard a lot about during I that remember seeing season. the. Tr- yeah, I remember seeing the trailer, but I don't remember. I think it, it like vanished after it released. Like I don't remember yeah. people talking about it. Um, yeah, I mean, and this is like, you know, we're talking the year of Nomadland. Um, oh, that's right. Twenty twenty yeah. was not a good year either. Yeah. So it's um, weird that it just kind of slipped under. Yeah, COVID, and like though. Minari and stuff. So, well, yeah. And so it's one of those. It was like it wasn't the big conversation at the Oscars. Um. But it should have been. It's fantastic. Um, it's well yeah. worth the watch. Um, and Carrie Mulligan is incredible on it. Um, God, I love Carrie Mulligan. And I love it because she, like everywhere she went on the red carpets and whatnot, she had the director with her. She had Emerald with her being like, look at this woman who directed this fucking great movie. <laughs> I um, love that. So, so awesome. Phenomenal. I love that. Well, I need to watch that. It's been on my watch list forever. And now it just pushed it up to close to the top is it where can i find that actually? uh you can it, it's one of the it's rent or buy on uh amazon and apple so cool cool and at, at this point it should be like five bucks awesome yeah sick oh it's on freebie as well nice there you go awesome <sighs> i what about am you, Josh? going to recommend a film by a filmmaker that we have recommended before not the film but the filmmaker um i can't believe we haven't talked about this although i feel like this movie as we the prompt states is not one that people talk about a lot it's uh catherine bigelow's strange days from 95 Ooh, with uh ray fines and angela bassett i saw this in a uh I think it was a point of view cinema class, which would make sense given the subject matter. I don't um, think I've seen this movie. Oh, I, you should watch this movie. It's it is really interesting. I mean, I uh, love Catherine Bigelow. I know, and this is written by James Cameron, so I'm like, oh, interesting. Um, and Ray oh. Fiennes and Angela Bassett, like, come on now. Um, it is a an underrated gem of a sci-fi like film noir Ooh. movie that. It basically it takes place in an alternate 1999 like it's like a y2k movie mm-hmm. basically where um like i believe that it takes place literally on new year's eve or like part of it takes place on new year's eve where um and in this universe we have the technology to be able to not just uh review people's memories but mm-hmm. re-experience people's memories secondhand nope which is awesome. It's like a black mirror before black mirror. And of course, Ray Fiennes plays an ex cop who has fallen into like black market dealings of said recordings, which is a very lucrative business as mm-hmm. you can possibly imagine. And he has to, if I'm remembering correctly, yes. Okay. So he, he becomes like enraptured in this murder of a prostitute who then he he, who he has to then go like basically figure out what happens to and Mm. angela bassett plays like this bodyguard who he's friends with who he has to team up with and and figure out like like, kind of go back in time and figure out what's going on with this case yeah and it's great it's really really great it's like kind of classic cameron in a weird way but also Mm -hmm. classic catherine bigelow in the way that it deals with sexism and power dynamics and race but almost flips all of them on their heads it's really this kind of strange subversive movie i wonder Um, is that when they were together i believe so no snow uh 91 they got divorced oh wow okay (laughs) 91 oh, wow. they got divorced and then she made point break. Holy shit. Well, I will say this movie cost 44 million dollars and only made 8. So All right. It's Which weird. Which is crazy. It's weird hearing you you talk about this cuz it 
it's giving me vibes of Johnny Mnemonic. Sure. Have you seen this movie? And I, yeah. like the more you say about it and the more I remember about Johnny Mnemonic, I'm like, is this like the perfect double feature? Right, right, right. Like 95 futuristic sci-fi, like, oh, as like a, you know, oh man, I don't know. Interesting. Well, that I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have, I mean, any excuse to watch Johnny Mnemonic, but True. Uh, I'm going to have to put that on my watch list. Yeah, man. Tom Sizemore is up in this. Michael nice. Wincott. Vincent D'Onofrio. Like, nice. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great time that where, I, like, uh, nobody where can is, I find it? I feel like this is a Max one. Let's see. Looks like, yeah, it looks like Max. Strange Days is now streaming on Max, or you could buy it from Amazon. Nice, nice. But uh, but yeah. Oh, an interesting double feature there. <laughs> I feel like is. I wonder if there's a letterbox list out there that's like movies set on New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine. Because I'll oh, bet there's yeah. at least twenty of them. Oh, probably more than you that. Know? Come yeah. on, like, ooh. I can think of three off the top of my head, so. Oh, perfect. Well, then you might have to make that fucking list. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there you have it. Promising Young Woman and Strange Days, two underrated films by women filmmakers who you should definitely, definitely check out if you've got yes. the time. Nice. All right. And that'll do it. That'll do it. There we go. Uh, Josh, let's bring it home. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on the internet on either Instagram or letterboxed at Josh J. Fuller. And where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on those two same things, uh, Instagram and Letterboxd at Willis Film. And if you want to find the pod, you can find us on Instagram and Letterboxd at Pixel Splitters, where you'll find all of our recommendations, including Strange Days and Promising Young Woman. I feel like those would probably not be a good double feature. It was very Maybe different not. tones. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but two good movies that you just watch yeah. separate of themselves. Um, Rock and roll. And there you have it. There we go. I feel like at some, it's probably far too late at, at this point, but like, I feel like earlier in this pod, we should have said like, yeah, if one of us recommends one and the other hasn't seen it, they have to watch it. Oh. But like, I feel like, I mean, we're 109 episodes deep now. I'm like, and like, there have definitely been ones that you've seen yeah, that I've recommended and things like that. But I'm, st I still feel like there'd be like 30 or 40 movies in there that I'm like, I don't know if I'm. So how about we start this now on okay. this episode? If we recommend something the other person hasn't seen within the next seven days, they have to watch it. Ooh, let's not do that. <laughs> let's do well, just because within the month, within the month, as long as it's readily available. True. Yeah. yeah. Because sure. I have definitely, like I have definitely, it. yeah, I'm not Good buying deep. a DVD off of uh, Amazon yes. to watch this obscure 1970s movie that you're yeah, obsessed only with. Only available Criterion version yeah. is 40 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I like that. Okay. I okay. do too. Yeah. It's oh, going to make me watch a lot of random ass horror movies. Oh, that'll that'll help me curate my my recommendations a little mm. more too. Mm, interesting. Okay. All right. Cool. I just want to go watch Johnny Mnemonic now. I do too, honestly. The the one takeaway is go watch Johnny Mnemonic, which I think is also on Max. I'm sure that it is. I'm sure that it is. Uh, all right. Let's wrap it. Yes. There we go. Uh, end of pod. <laughs> <laughs>